Welcome back to the Meddling Kids Podcast, your groovy review of Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Julie Kin, and today is the last episode of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The Beast is Awake in Bottomless Lake. Next time, we're going to take a quick detour from our timeline to cover Scooby Natural, and then we're going to do the new Scooby-Doo movies. And then after that, I'm going to go back and review anything I missed from the Scooby-Doo show and Scooby-Doo Dino Mutt Hour, because I know there's some episodes I haven't gotten to yet, so don't worry, we will catch them all. This episode starts out on a lovely sunny day, which is quite unusual, and we're looking at a nice lake in the mountains surrounded by tall coniferous trees. The sign says Bottomless Lake, and despite the beautiful visage, the music informs us that this is about to get spooky. The camera angle focuses on the water, and we see a horrific beast pop up. It's about seven feet tall and looks like a cross between a frog and a crocodile with one floppy yellow dorsal fin and large fangs. It growls and waves its front appendages around as though it's cursing Neptune for giving him life. The scene changes and we see our beloved teens in the mystery machine. Fred is excited to go fishing in the Northwoods, and Scooby and Shaggy are in the back of the mystery machine practicing their casting. Scooby's line gets wrapped around the inside door handle, but this ends up helping him out when Velma sees that the road is washed out ahead and Fred needs to hang a Louie double time. Scooby accidentally falls out the back of the mystery machine, but since he's still holding on to his fishing pole, he's able to reel himself back in. The kids are flummoxed. Why is this river flooding now in fall instead of during the spring thaw? Is it global warming or a clue? They're distracted from this conundrum by a huge sign that says, Welcome to Canada. Their detour had helped them avoid security checkpoints, and they found a secret way to smuggle in endangered species of talking dogs. They're stoked because the sign for Bottomless Lake, two miles away, boasts the best fishing in Canada. At the park entrance, a Mountie with a French accent greets them and says they'll have the whole place to themselves. Seems like a nice dude. I'm sure he's not a villain. He gives them directions, sort of. He basically says, straight ahead, you can't miss it. But Fred gets lost anyway. Velma delegates Scooby and Shaggy to go ask directions at a random cabin. Suddenly, the beast is behind them and it grabs Scooby by the tail. Ouch. They run back to the other kids and tell them about it. Velma is excited to check it out, but when they get to the spot, Fred's dismissive. Little character switcheroo there, usually it's the other way around. While they're checking out the scene, Scooby hears rustling in a bush, but it's just an adorable squirrel. The kids head to town, and it looks deserted. At the service station, there's no humans present, but the kids see an old newspaper indicating that there was a recent theft of gold ingots. The kids realize that the paper is three weeks old and that this town has been deserted for a while. But then a lumberjacky dude with another really bad French accent shows up and greets the kids. He is Guy Lebe, and he warns them that he's seen strange things around, including the beast of Bottomless Lake. He, by the way, is the proprietor of the service station. Scooby and Shaggy want to get back on the road, so they take care of cleaning up the mystery machine windows using Scooby's tail as a squeegee, while Guy tells them that the legend of the glowing-eyed beast became a reality a few weeks ago. There were strange lights in the water, and the lake level sank, such that the boats were left high and dry, and the beast has been scaring everyone away. 
Velma wants to solve this mystery, but Scooby and Shaggy run away and plop right into another dude. This one is Mr. Taylor. By the way, this town is getting pretty populated for being totally deserted. Mr. Taylor's there to catch a pike and no beast is going to stop him. Guy indicates he is leaving and tells them that if they're smart, they'll skedaddle. Fred brings the gang to the market, which is similarly abandoned. He says they'll just take what they need and leave money on the counter, so they break in. Scooby sees eyes lit up on a shelf, but it's a cat who's been sadly left behind. Oh wait, he hasn't been left behind because a gorgeous woman comes into the store from the back room. Wow, our fourth NPC and we aren't even halfway through the episode. It's Julie Johnson and she came back to get her cat. But the kitty is spooked and runs away from Julie. Julie says to Shaggy, Your dog must have scared her. Scooby says, Dog? What dog? And I am saying, Aha! This is more proof that Scooby is a man trapped in a dog's body and he temporarily forgot he looked like a dog to all others. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with another mini-episode about that theory very soon with listener and good friend Katie Clark. Julie warns the kids not to go into the lake, but they ignore her. At the lake, Fred tries to pitch a tent while Shaggy and Scooby set up their sleeping bags farther from the shore. We see mean-looking eyes watching them from a cabin. In the night, the kids hear thunder, despite there being no clouds. The sound is emanating from the lake, and Fred and the girls see lights in the water. Scooby and Shaggy stay behind and make sandwiches, but they have to eat on the run because the beast shows up and chases them. By the way, the sandwiches look really good. They're like, I don't know, two feet high with a whole bunch of fillings. They trap the beast in a cabin and lock the doors from the outside. When the kids reunite and open the door, it's empty, but there's a wet rug covering a trap door. Plus, Daphne finds some green clay, and she is very proud. Fred's like, yeah, Daphne, that might be a clue, sure. Scooby and Shaggy stay behind to guard the tunnel entrance. The others go in. But of course, now the beast is back and scaring Scooby and Shaggy again. They have a chase scene outside, no costumes, and Scooby and Shaggy try to take off in the mystery machine. But the beast has grabbed the rear bumper and won't let them go. What will happen to our heroes? We'll find out after this commercial break. From the earliest British settlements on the shores of Virginia to the treacherous swamps of Louisiana and the isolated mountains of Appalachia. The American South has a rich history filled with eerie legends and mysterious hauntings. Join me, Brandon Schecksnyder, as I journey into its underbelly, exploring these tales of loss and heartbreak, tortured souls and spirits of the past, documenting ghost stories and legends amidst rich soundscapes and an eerie original soundtrack that can only be found on my podcast, Southern Gothic. After the commercial break, Scooby and Shaggy do successfully drive away, but they end up going way too fast down a hill and they kind of softly crash into an embankment. They find an inflatable raft at the edge of the lake and Scooby blows it up and they float out onto the water, but the beast is still behind them. From the tunnel underground, Fred and the girls hear Scooby and Shaggy calling for help, and they resurface from behind a bush to see the beast chasing their friends on the lake. The raft pops, and Scooby and Shaggy get launched into a big mud puddle near the other kids. The beast submerges once again. 
the kids find a piece of a wooden sign stuck to the inflatable raft with the letters KL on it. Looks like part of a word. Perhaps Klondike? Klingon? Klaxosaur? Suddenly, Mr. Taylor reappears in big yellow boots. He's the dude who wanted to catch a pike and nothing was going to stop him. And he's got his fishing pole in a big scowl. He's upset because Scooby and Shaggy splashing around to save their own lives has scared his precious pike away. Dude, hashtag priorities. Velma asks Scooby and Shaggy to go into town to find scuba gear. Fortunately for them, the shop owners have left the store unlocked, so they don't even need to break and enter this one. They can just enter. Still illegal, but faster. They loot the store for snorkel and scuba stuff. Back at the lake, the other kids find giant froggy-looking prints leading toward town. When Scooby and Shaggy return, the beast chases them around for a while, so they fill themselves up with air and float into the sky to get away. Pretty cool trick. The kids all reunite. Where the beast's steps end, the big lumberjacky dude, Guy Leboeuf, emerges from a bush. His car broke down outside of town, and he had to come back for parts. Fred is like, I hope it's okay we borrowed all this stuff from you without asking. Leboeuf is cool about it. Fred, Daphne, and Velma jump into the water with scuba tanks on. Scooby and Shaggy are on the dock, and suddenly we see the beast climb up there too. Who is in that costume? Julie, the cute store owner with a great name? The Mountie guarding the park? Monsieur Leboeuf? Mr. Taylor, the pike fisherman? Or some dark horse we haven't met yet? Scooby and Shaggy are scared, so they suit up quickly and dive in. They hide in an underground container, and when they meet up with the others in an underground cavern, suddenly the beast is there too, and we have another chase scene. Scooby looks really cute in his scuba gear, by the way. The beast, Scooby, and Shaggy all get trapped in a small hermetically sealed room. The room releases them back into the lake, and Scooby and Shaggy and the beast are all pulled into a drain pipe and out into the river, where two suspicious dudes we haven't seen before say, It's just about time for the boss's latest shipment. They're standing there with a net, and the beast and Scooby and Shaggy all get caught up with these two dudes. Velma, Daphne, and Fred come out of the drain pipe next, upon a makeshift rowboat they have constructed from boxes and scuba tanks. Velma unmasks the beast, and it's Julie! She wanted to scare people off while she smuggled Klondike gold out of the country. This is just the kind of behavior I expect from cat people. A big clue, apparently, was the sign with the KL for Klondike, because thieves always keep pieces of signs from places they furgled. There were actually a bunch of other clues, too, but this one really tickled me, so we're just going to focus on it. In the end, Scooby uses the leftover beast costume to scare fish into his bucket, but he's all about catch and release, because he's cool like that. And that is the end of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Can you believe it? I can't. I'm sure there's other episodes I've somehow missed. Don't worry, I will go back and get to them. I want to say a quick thanks to Dave Seste for the use of our theme song, Night Surfing. Thanks so much to my husband, Olaf, and my kids. His name's not really Olaf, by the way. Thanks to you listeners. I love hearing from you all. I've been getting such nice messages. Thank you so much. It really means a lot. And thanks to Tiff, who moderates our Meddling Kids podcast and Scooby-Doo discussion group on Facebook. Please join the fun there, and let's hear your thoughts about Scooby-Doo Where Are You, Scooby Natural, and the new Scooby-Doo movies. And just remember, the next time you're doing a terrible imitation of a French-Canadian accent... 
You would have gotten away with it if it weren't for us meddling kids.